Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick, and I'm back this week with Chris. Hello. And Stephen is actually taking a week off, so we are graced today by the presence of our dear friend from the north, Rowan of the It Slays podcast. How's it going? Good. It's good to have you back, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Yes, poor Steven uh, did not make it out of Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Before they dropped the tactical nuke. Yeah, they dropped the tactical nuke. And he said I'll be, I'll, uh, he, said he was just a few seconds behind us, but then, yeah. <laughs> the president said we have to do something about this Steven problem. <laughs> we're going to yeah. nuke Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're here today to talk about Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, but before we get into that, we're going to do our uh, little horror catch-up that we start every episode with, where we talk about uh, what horror things we've been watching, reading, experiencing, etc. out there. I've got a long goddamn list this week that I will try and keep brief, but I'm uh, let's turn it over to Rowan first, since he's our guest. What have you been watching lately? Jeez, me. Uh, I feel like nothing overly horror. Actually, I guess a, little, a couple things. Uh, so uh, I'm quite quite vocal. If you uh, if you head over on our podcast, uh, I'm a pretty vocal VHS supporter. Mm. Uh, Colton. All right, hot take, yeah. but okay. <laughs> Col- Colton is uh, always uh, ragging on me for it. Uh, but you know, I have a TV with like a VHS TV in my bedroom, and I'm a collector. Is it the Shrek TV? I wish. I I, re- <laughs> I really wish it was a pink Disney's princess one, but I couldn't find one. But uh, so I re- Shrek TV. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Does it have like Shrek years? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm gonna have to track this the, down. You guys haven't seen the Shrek TV? I'll show I'll show you an image of it. Nice. I. <laughs> I I definitely I'd have that. Although probably a very hot take. I've never seen Shrek, so Whoa. <laughs> You're looking at him right now, Robert. <laughs> looking at Patrick. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I I recently bought uh for the twentieth anniversary of Aliens, they put out like a collector's VHS box set. So I uh, I recently rewatched uh, Aliens, the special edition, the the director's cut, and uh, Alien Three. Nice, w- which are you know enjoyable. I think Alien Three kind of gets ragged on more than it should. Yes. Are Are you an Alien man or an Aliens man? I I love both, but I would have to say an Aliens guy. All right. That was the first one I ever saw, and I think that one's... I, I, I just, you know, I love it. I love it. Nice. And, uh, yeah, honestly, guys, I haven't, like, done a lot. Uh, the only other thing I've watched is uh, High Tension for a new episode that's already out for Pride Month. Oh, yeah. So, uh, rewatched High Tension for... This is only my second time seeing it. You know, I, I do love some uh, new French extremity. <laughs> that's all i've watched though like i've been lame i've been watching like cheesy action movies and stuff just because give, give me cleanse my palate a little bit uh <laughs> so what about you chris 
Well, I have discovered a Netflix exclusive uh, horror series called Creeped Out. Mm, Have you heard of Creeped Out? Mm -mm. I haven't. It's targeted at children and it's an anthology horror series. There's two uh, seasons of it, um, like, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 episodes. And it was co-produced by a British production company and a Canadian production company. So, like, it's kind of weird because half the episodes, they're clearly in Britain and then half the episodes, they are in Canada. Um, so it's, you kind of got to get used to that, but it's, uh, it's actually pretty good. Like, you know, if you're looking for like 20 minute, uh, horror stories across a diverse set of genres and subject matter, uh, usually, uh, they have a little bit of a, uh, character building message in them. Like, you know, don't bully people online or, or uh, don't let uh, technology get in the way of the bonds between you and your family. Uh, you know, you should uh, check it out. It's 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 surprisingly good and well produced and fairly well written, considering it's you know aimed at thirteen year olds or whatever. Nice. I I remember when that the first season came out, and I think I had it on my list, and then I just forgot to watch it. Um, there's an episode called Cat Food that I would recommend. Mm. It is uh. It's like a rear window sort of thing where a, a boy uh, just sees his neighbor uh, buying copious amounts of cat food and uh, does not go where you might expect. So and it was actually legitimately scary in the end. I was like, that's pretty fucking scary. I was like, maybe it's not may- really viscerally scaring me right now. But if I were a child, I don't think I'd ever stop thinking about this. Nice. Nice. That's creeped out on Netflix. Hell yeah. Patrick, why are you? Let's let's attack your list now. What do oh you, what you got God, for yeah. us? I'm, I'm going to try and keep it brief, um, but it's it's been a good week or two because I've actually seen so much that I actually really loved. Um, the the kind of headline here, the banner uh, selection for me this week, which I know Rowan is in extreme disagreement with me about, is Crimes of the Future. Saw that in the uh. theater. And it absolutely blew my mind. It's Cronenberg back in full body horror mode. And I love it when Cronenberg's in full body horror mode. The world building in it is just crazy. I felt completely wrapped up and and immersed in this universe to the point that when the movie ended, I was like, wait, how is this already over? I've only been here for like an hour or something. It was great. I loved it. Rowan and Colton had very different opinions on its slays. So if you want, if you want a counterpoint on that, go check out their episode. Also finally caught up with Titan, um, which was amazing. Also a mind blower. Uh, talk about an insane world building and insane imagery. Not entirely sure what it was doing thematically. And if Doesn't you dig matter. into it, yeah, if you dig into it too deep, the themes might actually be kind of a bit offensive. I saw read that it's a very misogynistic and anti-trans movie. And I was like, yeah, could totally see that. But also it, it's just so hard to even tell what it's doing. But it it is just an insane singular vision. So I enjoyed that. Saw uh, Deep Blue Sea for the first time <laughs> since <laughs> we all spoke last. And that was uh, that was a big dumb romp. Enjoyed that. And also saw Dog Soldiers for the first time. Oh, how's that? Oh my god, it's it's fucking great. 
Good. That's been um, that's been highly recommended to me since I was literally in high school. And for a while, it was hard to track it down to watch it because it wasn't like at the video store on DVD or anything. I bought the Blu-ray years ago. Still haven't watched it. Always been curious about it. And uh, you beat me to it. You ha- I'm, you're, I'm like Skype and you're like Zoom. I had <laughs> 10 years to get my shit together and then you just showed up and you got done. <laughs> yeah, I think you would actually really like it, Chris. It's There's there's humor in it. It is over the top, but um, it's played pretty seriously and the filmmaking is just excellent. It's really, really well put together. Loved that. And then the final note I'll throw in for this week is I finally started watching Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. I'm not sure why I was sleeping on that for so long, but really like that. I love the little 10, 15-minute episodes. That's just, that is my shit. I was talking to Steven about it, and he described it as being kind of like if Heavy Metal, the the magazine, were a TV show, because it's just short little stories. They're not always great. They're not always great, but they are interesting, and the visual style is always really striking and varies um, a lot from episode to episode. But I really want to specifically make a plug for the episode Hibaro, which is in the new season and is just an absolute knockout. Another one where there's kind of a lot of different ways you can interpret it, but a friend of mine kind of interpreted it as being about colonialism and colonial violence, and it was... It's really, really powerful, read that way, but a beautiful, beautiful work in any case. So that's uh, the Hibaro episode of Love, Death, and Robots. All right. Should we talk about Army of the Dead? You guys ready to go to Vegas? I can't wait to go to Vegas. I'm going to put it all on black. Yeah, that's what you, know, that's what you do. <laughs> so, yeah, we're doing Army of the Dead. This is my pick. Why um, did you pick this movie, Patrick? Why, yeah, why Patrick? Well, yeah, so I, I mean, as listeners to this show probably know, I'm not a big fan of Mr. Mr. Snyder, Mr. Zack Snyder. But I've been curious about this movie since it came out. I had heard generally pretty decent things about it. And it kind of came to my mind last episode because I have been on a Tig Notaro kick, fucking loving Tig and her stand up. And I was like, I want to see Tig Notaro in a, in a zombie movie. Why not? And also, of course, uh, Zack Snyder was particularly fresh in my mind because of uh, Chris dressing up as Zack Snyder's Justice League when we went to Comic-Con. So that was kind of what gave me the push to to finally check this out. Hmm. Chris, I know you hadn't. You hadn't seen this already, had you? No, I hadn't, but I, I had wanted to. Um, it just, on top of all the other Netflix horror movies I have to watch, it was, seemed a little daunting being a, uh, weighing in at two and a half hours, yeah. which got, got translated into my mind uh, as three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, like When I was blocking out time for this, I'm like, I got to watch a three hour movie tonight. And, you know, Zack Snyder known for sometimes long cuts of films. So <laughs> I don't think that was an unreasonable assumption. Frankly, I, I we'll get into it, but I think there's a four hour cut of this movie that we'll probably never see the light of day but i think Mm. it's out there Mm. (laughs) rowan had you seen this already so i was uh i was one of the suckers that like the night it came out i stayed stayed up it's (laughs) usually like with the time difference in canada and stuff it's usually like 4 a.m when like new netflix stuff comes out i'm a night guy anyway so i'm up all night watched it the minute it came out and uh 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. I'm curious to, to hear how it sat with you the second time around as well. And then, and uh, if your impression of it changed at all with the second viewing, but to kind of set up what we're looking at here, if uh, you haven't seen the movie, basically there's a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas. The whole city gets walled off by the government to keep the zombies in and the president makes the decision to drop a tactical nuke on the city to uh, wipe out the zombie outbreak and, and prevent any further spread. Dave Bautista, who was uh, involved in getting people, including attempting to get his family out of the city, is called in by a... Wait, he's a casino owner, right? Yeah, yeah he's a yeah. casino owner. He's a, he's a mogul billionaire, and he owns one of the casinos on the Strip. Mm-hmm. And he shows up to Dave Bautista's uh, job at the fucking hamburger place and says... I've got, what is it, $50 million or something? A, a huge yeah. sum of money buried in one of those vaults that you always hear about under the strip. And I need you to get into the city, get the money out, and you can have uh, you know some cut of it. He gets an, an absurd amount of the money if he can get it back to the casino owner. Mm-hmm. So Batista takes the job, recruits uh, a crew, and you know basically you've got <laughs> Ocean's Eleven in the midst of a zombie outbreak directed by Zack Snyder. That's pretty much your movie <laughs> it's a great concept I it mean, is I, and and whatever you think of the movie as a whole i mean I, it's a it's a killer killer premise mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah. easy to pitch this movie to people and have them want to watch it yeah i mean it's almost surprising that no one has gone zombie heist movie and just walked into a pitch meeting before and said zombie heist <laughs> movie and like i mean sure anybody's gonna throw money right. at that I watched most of the behind the scenes featurette that's on Netflix about Army of the Dead and Zack Snyder talks about how he made, of course, Dawn of the Dead back in the day and thought that like he had this idea, I guess, since back then, because he thought that part of Dawn of the Dead was sort of like um, the fantasy of being in a mall and being able to do whatever you wanted. And how do you take that to the next level and, you know, sort of the next step in uh, consumerism and, and materialism is Las Vegas. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, uh, the, the movie opens with two really incredible sequences, frankly. I mean, the, the, the scene that depicts how this zombie outbreak begins with a, <laughs> a, a newlywed couple accidentally crashing their car into a military convoy carrying a zombie because she's giving him roadhead. It's a really nicely put together scene. Starts this off perfectly. And then, you know, get ready because I'm I'm mostly going to be spending this episode unexpectedly praising Zack Snyder because this I enjoyed this movie a lot. But that's followed up with uh, another fucking virtuosic opening title sequence. Like, I mean, the man can put a title sequence together for sure. Fucking hate Watchmen, the movie, but it has a great opening title. And this has an incredible opening title that really works to deliver a lot of story and set up a lot of what's been going on in the city from this initial escape of the zombie from the military convoy and kind of how this whole situation pans out. We get introduced to our main characters and see what all happened to them. And it's a funny opening title. It's, I, I don't know. It was, it was just 
beautiful i had a big smile on my face the whole time that was playing it's funny but it's also poignant yeah it's set to a cover of viva las vegas <laughs> yeah that it goes from funny and and light to poignant <laughs> and um it was just really well done i mean Zack snyder has his strengths and weaknesses as a as a director or a auteur if you want to call him that but um i think that these types of sequences title sequences really play to all of his strengths and yeah it was amazing Amazing. And I, I enjoyed this movie a lot, but I don't think it, anything in it was as good as the first 15, 20 minutes or no, not even that first 10 minutes. <laughs> and but but those those early moments built so much goodwill for me and helped me get on the movie's level that I think it really helped propel me uh, through the rest of the movie, even when it wasn't quite up to that par. And mm. Snyder bringing, uh, bringing Richard Cheese back who does the cover of he uh he's the one that did the cover for you know down with the sickness in the original dawn of the dead oh okay and then i guess uh some canadian uh canadian things the the female vocalist allison crow actually a friend of mine's cousin she's from newfoundland oh uh and she he is a big fan i think she her first uh, foray was Man of Steel with Zack Snyder. She's in the movie, uh, singing in the bar at the beginning when Clark is moping and drinking. And, hmm. and uh, yeah, she's like a reoccurring vocalist now on all of his all of his movies. She also hmm. did the cover of Hallelujah at the end of the Snyder Cut. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Huh. Snyder loves Hallelujah. He does. Well, I, in, in that, I think it was his daughter's favorite song, which is why it's at the end of Justice oh, League. Oh, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Huh. I want to I talk about our main man, my main man, Bautista. Zack um, Snyder? Oh. <laughs> no. Dave, <laughs> David Bautista. I just love this late career renaissance that Dave Bautista has had. You know, the man, he seems like a fucking good guy in real life, which I also just adds to my enjoyment of him but you know what he's a solid fucking actor and he brings so much to this and is just like a really warm likable um empathetic presence in this and i mean he, you know he's playing the uh morning family man just as he does in guardians of the galaxy essentially but uh god damn it he's good at it and i just i loved seeing him anchor this movie I was gonna say I felt he was uh he was definitely like the strongest actor in this. Mm-hmm. I feel like my takes on this movie are gonna be way hotter than you two. Uh <laughs> but to me, like he was one of in what I thought one of the only strong points of the movie. Mm. Uh I, I I wasn't a huge fan of the cast of this, but I thought he did a great job. Uh definitely an interesting choice. Uh he gave up uh, the Suicide Squad to be in this. Oh, wow. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought he was great in this also. Perfectly suited for the role. He's he's very convincing as a tough guy, but he's also very convincing as someone who's got a heart and is warm. And, of course, he's got the wrestling pedigree, and he can do the stunts that are required of him. He can body slam zombies and, and ankle pick them and throw them down on roulette tables and shoot them in the head. And it's all, uh-oh, it's a... 
it's all a ton of fun. Actually, I want to talk about how all the characters and actors I enjoyed. Maybe uh, Rowan disagrees, but um, the thing is, you see a lot of movies like this, whether they're heist movies or zombie movies, survival movies of any sort, military movies, whatever, and they throw characters at you and you don't get to know them. I thought it was a hell of an accomplishment that in this movie, there's like 10 or 11 people involved in the heist and they give you just enough on each of them that you can keep, you can tell them apart, you know who they are, you know how they are in this, who they know, and you have a feeling for about most of them one way or another, whether you like them, whether you don't like them, etc. I thought that was a real accomplishment and I wish more movies like, you know, the Resident Evil movies don't do that shit. (laughs) You meet like five random survivors in a Resident Evil movie and like they expect you to care about them because they have the same name as someone who was in the video game 25 years ago. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I agree with that. And and also that goes back to the title sequence again, where like a lot of these characters are set up non-verbally in that title sequence, um, which is to me was just uh, kind of an impressive feat. The one that was kind of funny to me though was... um, uh, who's the who's the guy that's like the sharp the zombie sharpshooter who has the YouTube? Yeah, the viral I don't know his video. name, but I know who you're talking Guzman, about. Guzman, yeah. Guzman. Yeah, he has just like an, an associate. Yeah, Mikey Guzman. He has an associate who he just like brings along with him, and then she's introduced like I think in a single line, and we know nothing about her. That was the <laughs> that was the only one that struck me as funny and was kind of like the outlier to what you just said, um, mm-hmm. where it's just like okay, what? Who the fuck is this? You know, and and she ends up I think being one of the early cannon fodder characters um right yeah but uh yeah that one was kind of funny but otherwise yeah i i agree rowan so, hot, hot takes on the on the characters though you you were not feeling them can't, it's not like i don't like some actors like amari hardwick like i'm i'm a pretty big fan of his he's he's from uh like stars fame he he was like a guy 50 cent found for his whole power shows and stuff he's He's the lead actor for all those shows. And then, of course, I was super happy. Uh, I'm always happy to see, uh, what's his name, Theo Rossi yeah. or whatever from Sons of Anarchy. Oh, I, I know I'm, him from Luke Cage, but he's, well, yeah, he's Shades, great from in Luke that. Cage, yeah. of course. Such a slime ball. <laughs> and he's great at playing the slime balls because yep. he's pr- pretty much a slime ball in Sons of Anarchy also. Mm-hmm. So. It's not like I didn't like them. I I just felt kind of the opposite. I kind of felt like, especially with a lot of the a lot of the women, like Batista's daughter, like we got some of the backstory, but I just I mean, this is kind of one of my issues. I, I you know I'll say first that I am actually a Snyder fan. Like I hmm. generally like his stuff. But I I think he's really bad at writing women traditionally, mm. and uh, I I just felt like they could have been a little stronger. You know, obviously we're set up that I think we only really care about Bautista's story, and that's the only one that's you know kind of gonna pull at your heartstrings. Mm. Uh, speaking of characters and actors, I want to spend a moment on my girl Tig. God damn it, she's so funny in this, and and I loved. It's. I mean, she's just being Tignataro, except in a zombie movie, and I enjoyed that very much. I also, you know, I mean, this this movie she was famously green screened into uh, to replace Christelia after there were, I think, sexual assault 
uh, allegations against him, something like that. Yeah. And 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 generally, like the technology they used is is very good and very effective, especially for a challenge as great as fully replacing one actor with another in a movie. But there, because of that, I also found myself like paying more attention to her in a lot of scenes, especially ones where she's just in the background and is kind of doing these like you know just nonverbal like what can you believe this like kind of reactions to stuff. And it was just so funny to me envisioning her like on a green screen like just kind of reacting to nothing with no one. Mm -hmm. um, but it is it is well done and and she is a, a delight in the film. They put that together meticulously. I watched a featurette. I did a lot of research for this one, okay? I watched a featurette. Um, it, was a, it was a video on Vanity Fair's website. He uh, walks through the process of how, like, there's a shot where they're loading money into the helicopter or whatever, and she's in the front. She's in the, the cabin of the helicopter, but they shot that separately. They brought, they you know, Brought, built the set, built the helicopter again, and then and then like put her back in, and had to match up the position of the camera. And Zack Snyder explains how he used the previous shot as a reference, and like drew lines on his monitor for like so that the parallax would line up left and right and up and down, so we get the camera in the right shot. And then since he's operating the camera and a lot of this stuff, he like kind of remembered how he moved it along the dolly as he brought it in, and so he got him like ninety five percent of the way there just in camera, and then the effects team put the two shots together um pretty that's cool crazy stuff. that's crazy there's shit. a lot of technical stuff i mean you know people get jaded to, to to visual effects these days but there is a lot of cool visual effects work uh going on in this movie and if you're interested in that sort of thing uh there's the documentary on netflix you can watch there's this thing on vanity fair fair you can watch um kind of cool how they how they made the las vegas strip the post-apocalyptic las vegas strip and the uh hordes of zombies that went with it and a lot of the zombies like are real actors um and they the wardrobe uh supervisor said that they like distressed some 40,000 articles of clothing for Jesus. this movie and had hundreds of zombie <laughs> actors for like you know the foreground and then they used those costumes those that makeup and those actors to create the digital models to populate the you know tens of thousands that you see in the background of some of these shots um i, I cool think a, i think a lot of the zombie actors are dancers or at the very least they have extremely dancerly movements and i really liked that you know i mean obviously there have been various takes on zombies over the years but um these zombies definitely have a unique kind of flavor to them and feel different from most other zombie things I've seen. Well, that's the cool thing about these zombies and the whole premise of the movie, because everyone that you see who's a zombie is someone who was in Las Vegas. So it's a mm. lot of dancers. It's a lot of performers. It's magicians. It's dealers mm -hmm. and stuff. And you can kind of see from their wardrobes and then, yeah, how they behave. Like, I'm pretty sure there's like a break dancer fighting Dave Bautista at some point or something. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like maybe this guy was in a show and now he's a zombie. So mm -hmm. that's all really cool. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. The design of the zombies, the costume of the zombies, is fun to look at there's always something interesting to look at in the crowd of zombies and again mm -hmm. that's something that sets it apart for me from other zombie movies you see where it's just like all right here's a guy there's a guy now mm -hmm. it's like here's a guy but he's 
you know, he's a craps dealer. <laughs> he's got his little name tag on. <laughs> well, and they also do some interesting stuff with, I mean, these, these, uh, there's, uh, what do they call them? Alpha zombies or something like that. There's kind of like a yes. more intelligent, like ruling class of zombies. And there's some interesting sort of rules that are set up around that where they have to like leave a sacrifice for these, uh, the alpha zombies so that they can have safe passage through the city, which is very interesting. And they even managed to develop a couple of characters out of these zombies. Mm-hmm. And you end up like feeling things for the zombies at, <laughs> at a couple of points. And that was uh, quite unexpected for me as well. I was like, what am I watching? Uh, fucking warm bodies here. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole theory that they've worked out with like the evolution of the zombies and how they, you know, how people's bodies change from early onset zombie to late onset zombie. And mm. then these alpha zombies and the social order. And like, it's not all in the text of the movie, but they thought it all through. And it makes me, among other things, eager to see another movie kind of set in this universe. Um, I think maybe if this were a better movie, I'd be satisfied and be like, all right, there's my Las Vegas zombie movie. But they did so much right in terms of building out this 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 zombie Las Vegas and these characters that I kind of want a better movie with it than the one we got, I guess. Um, so I'd like to see more, which brings me to army of thieves Mm. which is the parallel slash prequel movie that they came out with like right after this came out um and i watched army of army of the dead and i became extremely interested in army of thieves because i liked the characters in army of dead enough to want to see them in more stuff unfortunately army of thieves is all about Dieter the safe cracker and a bunch of other characters who never show up in this one oh. whereas i thought i expected it to be maybe not have uh dave bautista in it but like certainly the thieves that he worked with who he the, like his first circle of people that he reaches out to and maybe tignataro and other people like that no it's just Dieter. so i will probably not be watching army of thieves yeah because he was one of the more annoying characters in this frankly oh i liked him i liked him he was good for what he was okay i love the line when um when uh the bly tanaka's rounding him up and he's like the safe cracker will get to work like a surgeon or a painter ridiculous that's the other thing it's a fun this is a funny movie it's it's i would call it an action comedy more than a horror movie for sure um Mm. and i think it's really good as an action comedy movie i laughed a lot i laughed a lot at at stuff that i was supposed to laugh at Mm. so let me ask you guys this um you know as we've kind of stated already i am historically not at all a fan of snyder and it sounds like Rowan, you said you are a fan. And Chris, I, you know, I'm interested to just hear both your takes because Chris, you and I argue about Zack Snyder all the time. And I, I, I'm not quite sure if you actually like Zack Snyder or you just like kind of like to troll and defend him for contrarianism's sake. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about like how you both feel about Zack Snyder and, and why or, or how you like him. I can't say I like everything he's done as a director. I mean, I feel like he hit me at the right time. You know, I, I I know you said Patrick, you're not a fan of Watchmen. I you know I I was one of the tons of people that I really enjoyed Watchmen. I mean, obviously, that's a hard uh, that's a hard graphic novel to translate into film. But I did like his style. Um, I think I always hold him in a really high regard because Man of Steel is like in my top two superhero movies of all time. What? 
There's a I, hot take. Hot take. I saw Man of Steel five times in the theater. Wow. I, I, really, I don't know if we can still be friends. <laughs> wow. I, I really like Man of Steel. I like a lot. I, I still watch it all the time. Wow. And like I'm a I'm a fan of Sucker Punch, even though there's so many reasons I shouldn't like Sucker Punch <laughs> as like a socially conscious guy. But I just I, I you know I do enjoy like steampunk and that kind of stuff, so it just kind of tickle my fancy. And you don't see a lot of you know steampunk and with that kind of budget behind it. Uh, so and of course Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is you know up there for you know I wouldn't say it's like my favorite zombie movie, but I think for like a remake of a movie, it is you know, pretty high up there for modern remakes uh, and very well done. Now, of course, my kind of hot opinion on that is, you know, Dawn of the Dead and, you know, Watchmen, some of the other stuff I've mentioned that I enjoy, he doesn't write. <laughs> he mm. only directs, uh, which... I think could be, you know, one of my issues. I'm just not a huge fan of his writing. I think he has an issue with tone, which, like, I mean, we'll get further into it in the spoiler thing, but that was kind of my big issue with this was I just felt the tone was a little inconsistent, and it just didn't please me any anyway. Uh, unlike Chris, like, I didn't laugh at anything. What? I, I know, I know. Like, there was really, I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I guess. I I just think there, the possibilities of it were, were really strong. Because, like, for a while, like, James Gunn was attached to this. Mm, and, I can see that. Yeah, uh, my thought was kind of like, I'm, I'd be interested what this would look like with either... James Gunn directing or James Gunn, which I would assume would kind of help with writing. Uh, like I know him and Snyder are pretty close. Mm. Uh, so I guess I, I kept thinking about like what it could be. I, and another issue with me, which I'm willing to, you know, admit is like, I just, I don't like heist movies. I like, I don't like oceans 11. Like, I, you know, there's some stuff I like, like I love Heat, I love, you know, like I love some of the older ones, but I'm just not overly a heist guy, so I think the heist stuff, like, t totally takes me out of it. Mm -hmm. What's your, what's your deal with Snyder, Chris? <laughs> Here's my deal with Zack Snyder. He has a mixed record on movies for me. I really don't mind Watchmen at all. I think it's... I, I like Watchmen, the movie. I like to watch it every few years. Um, it's faster than reading the graphic novel again. And I, I feel like it's 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 almost such a straight adaptation of the graphic novel that it's good enough for me. SMH. SMH is all I have to say about that. I, I will um, also shake my head at that comment. I, I don't know. I mean, I've said before about how often I watch a movie, I feel like I'm sort of interfacing with the filmmaker a little bit. And, and I think Zack Snyder is a uh, really nice and creative guy who has uh, he's very passionate and he cares a lot about what he's doing um, and I, I think that just comes across and, and even stuff you don't like 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 this movie gets maligned because it has like a really shallow depth of field like throughout the entire movie um, it's like everything's out of focus Army <laughs> like, of the Dead like, does? 
Yeah, but that's like Zack Snyder's decision. He was like, I love how this looks. I love I love throwing this. I love how his nose is in focus and his shoulders not. And he's the one rocking around with the camera, like probably doing the focus himself on a lot of this stuff. Um, uh, Well, yeah, he's the DP on this, which I I I was wondering about that. Does he often DP his own films? I guess I haven't noticed before. I this is the first I've been aware of it. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he did on, you know, something else. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I just find him someone who's easy to root for. And I like how, like, I didn't see Batman versus Superman in the theater, but I saw the, like, ultimate cut of it. (laughs) And I thought it was, you know, not like what I look for in a Batman or superhero or or Superman movie, but like, it's not the only Batman or Superman movie we're going to get. And I, I like how he had a sort of a fresh take on the material that was just really kind of bizarre and ambitious and this carries into justice league too like just he he just goes for it and he's he's got you know i'll call him an auteur he's got his vision you can agree with it or not but i'd rather have someone who's committed to like putting up an interesting creative vision and a visually striking vision because i think he's like a visual artist first and foremost he thinks of the visuals before he thinks of anything I'd rather have someone like that making a movie than what you see in so many other blockbusters these days where they just kind of have no personality. Like, I don't know, like half the, half the directors in the Marvel universe, I don't know what the fuck they, I don't know how they interpret the characters. I don't know what Spider-Man means to, uh, whoever the fuck directs Spider-Man movies. But I, (laughs) I, I know, I know what Zack Snyder's thesis on what superheroes are in his movies. (laughs) Um, and I think that's, that's valuable. He certainly has vision. <laughs> yes. He <And>, has vision. <laughs> and and he does he He's does. a nice guy who seems like he has a passion for the craft and he has a has a vision and 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 he gets big budgets and so I take my wins where I can get them. He does seem like a nice guy. I I listened to Tig Tig's interview with him on her podcast um before I watched the movie and um I had never like heard him speak before and he did just come off as like a really chill guy um and i don't know i guess so many of his movies strike me as like such just like douche bro like hyper masculine bullshit that i expected him to be similar but he seemed not like that which is also frustrating to me because i'm like why do you make such fucking stupid ass movies when you see like he just seems smarter than a lot of his movies actually are no, I'll agree with that. No, I totally understand why you would why you'd think that. And I probably thought that too about him until like I saw something with him. I'm like, oh, this guy's just like he's a he's a he's a nerd. He's just a he's just a geek. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, he, he's an endearing character to me. And, and I, I usually find something of value in, in all of his movies, even if uh, I don't like Mike, Mike like uh, Mike Flanagan used to be. I don't think he's done a masterpiece yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, he, he might be capable of one. Yeah. I was going to say, I do, uh, I do kind of respect him though for as they were leading up to this release. This is when I feel all the publications, everything, we were really getting into that talk about like Zack Snyder and kind of being propped up by like more of this like alt right bro community and all that. So I will say, uh, I did, uh, enjoy this that there was like kind of so many directorial comments to uh to that faction of his fan base like we get the like the sean spencer cameo but sean spicer 
Spicer's as yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was problematic for me. That was bizarre. <laughs> but see, to me, I liked it because I was like, it, when you're listening to the news clips, like they're a hundred percent making fun of Trump. Like they make the pre- like all the quotes from the president are just like bro douchebag <laughs> quotes. Like, yeah, that's gonna look awesome, mm-hmm. and like all this stuff. I just thought it was interesting that he, for this pop mainstream, like you said, like, he really just, he's like in a tour of just, like, really easy to digest movies, but he just had this weird, like, political undercurrent going on on the televisions in the background. Yeah, that's an interesting facet of this movie, too, that we haven't really talked about much yet, is the whole subplot about the detention camp that's established outside the the walled-off city of Vegas, where they're basically detaining... I guess undesirables under the pretense of that they might be zombies. And it's very much, you know, presented as a metaphor for the the immigration issue at the border. And I don't know, I I was kind of on the fence about that because in one sense, it kind of fits in interestingly with the world that they build in this movie, but it also felt a little shoehorned in where it was like they wanted to do something political, but the movie would work perfectly fine without that subplot as well like it's not the movie is not about that it, it feel it felt a little shoehorned in but definitely yeah snyder letting some more more leftist politics than in any movie i think i've seen of his kind of fly in this but then you've also got that weird scene with sean spicer and donna brazil are debating this on cable tv and i i don't know that was a weird weird moment it's just like how do you get those two people to agree to doing this both sort of parodying their public images it felt i don't know it felt almost a little ghoulish to me Don, yeah it felt ghoulish to me donna brazil's done that stuff a lot and sean spicer will take a check wherever he can get it wasn't he on dancing with the stars yeah he's on dancing with the stars and and i think it's it's problematic to hire him to do anything um yeah so i didn't like seeing him in this but yeah, it, it kind of in that scene, it kind of has like a both sides sort of uh, yeah. know, satire sort of thing. I was trying to put my finger on the politics of this movie or figure out if it was about something uh, for quite some time. And there's lots of little bits and pieces of it, like the detention camp, like the fact that everybody's wearing their American flag upside down on their tactical vests. Um, mm. I thought that meant something. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> um, there's the scene where. Uh, they say, oh, this is a free country, and the character says, oh, we're not in the United States anymore, this is the exclusion zone, and he says, oh, so it's a freer country, huh, <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's there's pieces, and then, like, the whole thing, like, how can you have, and, and, and zombie movies are, you know, typically involve some sort of social commentary. How can you have a movie about, you know, these people, largely minorities, some of them from a camp <laughs> um you know a, a immigration camp uh how can you have them stealing money out of a casino under a zombie apocalypse for billionaires and military generals and things like that and not really have something to say about not not be doing it with an intention i don't really know what the intention was 
I don't think there was one. Yeah. I think that's the Zack Snyder way. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think <laughs> I think he, he plays a little to the left, a little to the right, because he just, you know, his M.O. is he just wants, like, he's like, I need this to be a hit. I want to make it a ton of money so I can continue to make movies that are way too long. Well, you just see this. A, I mean, you see this a lot in movies. You, you see people who have an interest in politics, but aren't particularly um, they're, they're not particularly savvy enough about politics to to put a really coherent point in their movies. But they just, you know, they're, they're kind of painting with it. I don't know what it means any more than I know what it means when Lex Luthor makes the senator drink piss <laughs> and Batman be Superman. <laughs> Was that political or what? <laughs> well, and this gets to back to, you know, kind of what Rowan was saying before about the you know and I kind of hate using this phrase even because I feel like it's overused but the tonal inconsistency and I think it is at play in this movie and again like I, I I mostly liked this but there is a bit of an uncomfortable balance at times between the comedy and the poignant stuff and and the horrifying stuff and the political stuff it's a at times it feels a little bit like a grab bag and I felt a little whiplash at times when you would shift between those things, you know, because one second you've got, and, and again, I, this is, I guess a weird example to use cause I've sung the praises of the opening title a lot, but you know, one moment you've got a joke with like an Elvis impersonator turning into a zombie while they reference Elvis in the, the song that's playing behind the opening title. And the next moment you have, you know, genuinely poignant family trauma and then Dave Bautista trying to reconcile with his daughter and, and people losing loved ones in, um, you know, truly upsetting and affecting ways. Um, and then the next moment you've got, this political commentary that we're talking about. Um, there's just, there is a lot and it felt um, jarring at times. And again, I said it before, I'll probably say it again. I think there's a four hour cut of this movie where all this <laughs> stuff makes a little more sense. I got whiplash too. And there was a lot of like subplots that didn't get resolved to my satisfaction. I might say the main plot didn't get resolved to my satisfaction. <laughs> um, and I, I, it felt to me like there's another hour of this movie that they had to cut out yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Netflix said, we don't have the bandwidth. This is Zack Snyder's <laughs> Army of the Dead coming yeah. soon. I want to see the Snyder cut of yeah. Army of the Dead. <laughs> well, I, I feel like we should review this and then we can kind of dig into uh, some of these little plot details and, and the way this all uh, does or doesn't resolve. Um, do you guys have anything, you, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go down to the spoiler room? No, no, sir. Good. Rowan, do you want to kick us off? All right. With a, uh, a view it, cue it, or screw it? A view it, cue it, or screw it. This is a hard... I'm, like, bordering on a, like, screw it and cue it. think I'm going to have to give it a screw it. I, 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 I just... The runtime's a big issue for me. I think uh, with the genre of zombie movies, it just... There's not a lot to them so i think you really have to be like quick and and fast and to the point with zombie stuff if if you're just doing it for action's sake which i feel zack snyder kind of is doing and honestly i just i feel like i can list like 20 better zombie movies than this one i i think if you like action more than horror this is great like to me this would be something that I, I mean, I guess my own parents don't work because my parents love super gory, inappropriate horror. <laughs> but 
if you had like parents that weren't like really in the horror movies and you know you you're spending your father's day with your father that likes Sylvester Stallone movies like <laughs> he'd probably like this like you know your mom might like this if she's in the action movies cuz it it does have lots of action sequences in it but I don't know, like, this is, like I said, this is my second time watching it, and I felt it was, you know, two times too much. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just give it a screw it. All right, listen, he, I figured out the political <laughs> thesis of this movie oh boy. While, you were, while you were speaking. So, you mentioned Sylvester Stallone. The <laughs> 80s were an age of these hyper-masculine action heroes that really embodied a conservative ideology very very reagan reaganite like there's a bad guy the world is nasty we need to punch him in the face and not have any feelings about it sort of attitudes this movie is a gateway for people who are into that sort of thing who have the conservative mindset they want to see the ripped dave bautista man destroy zombies and at the end of the day i've said this before zombie movies are all about the homicidal fantasies of right-wing gun owners that's 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 all they are uh, for the most part that's that's where the genre that's that's why we have the genre people do interesting things with it but that's that's what it is um so they say okay i'm gonna watch the big strong man with the with the tactical vest kill the zombies shoot the zombies body slam the zombies but then they, they you watch this movie and you find out oh you know what actually Dave Bautista is not afraid to cry a little bit. He has a heart. He cares about family. He cares about the lives of immigrants. So it's it's the first step from making from going from Stallone to uh, voting straight Democrat ticket. And that's why this movie exists. It's going to bring us back from Trumpism. Well, and the uh, and the interesting thing that goes with that too is uh, the movie also shows you the zombies have feelings and care about yes. shit too holy shit patrick yeah. yes yeah, 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 thank yeah. you you just you just completed the metaphor that's what it is because yeah. you're, you're you're invited into the interior lives of the zombies and you're made to feel pity for the zombies mm-hmm. um and then what well, how does it end they, 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 they well is it a spoiler to say they nuke las vegas i don't think it's <laughs> no, a spoiler we, so. we told you it's gonna happen yeah. <laughs> they get nuked i think this is an anti-nuclear pro-refugee uh pro the other side of the conflict story yeah yeah, this this movie is going to save America. <laughs> anyway, for those Army reasons, of I'll the give Dead it... <laughs> is going to unite America. <laughs> for those reasons, I'll give it a view. It. <laughs> um, no, I, I I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it was almost a masterpiece for me. It kind of fumbled the bag, so to speak, at the end of the movie. Um, we'll we'll talk about that. I but I I, liked, I thought the characters were fun. The action setups, set pieces were fun. Just the setting of Las Vegas, post-apocalypse, zombies everywhere, card tables, that's all fun. Um, Costumes, all that stuff. All the little details that I already talked about, enjoyed it a lot. Laughed my ass off, got emotionally connected to several of the characters, at least a little bit. Um, I've already recommended it to some people. I think this is a very accessible movie. I think if uh, I think there's a there's a type of people like us who are like real particular and care a lot about our horror movies and our you know we want great film and great arcs and stuff and and, and we're we're probably the demographic least likely to enjoy this movie. The people Letterbox has a low score on Letterbox. I checked. People who have letterboxes aren't going to enjoy this movie, but I think like <laughs> most people you meet in your real life will have a good time with this movie. 
and I did. So view it. How about you, Patrick? Uh, I'll give it a view it as well. I had a really good time with this, uh, especially for two and a half hour movie. It really held my attention. It's a novel premise, um, generally well presented. It's not perfect, as I've said already. It's, uh, you know, a little I did get that just sort of jarring whiplash sort of effect from the amount of stuff it was trying to do. And I think even though it did hold my attention, there's still some stuff that could have been cut from this. It could probably be, I mean, sure there's a four hour cut, but there's probably also a, there could be a two hour or two 15 <laughs> minute cut that, uh, that works a bit better than this does. Um, but it was very entertaining. And uh, frankly, I'd watch it again. I don't rewatch a lot of stuff. That's not, marvel movies <laughs> but um i would i would uh rewatch this one so good job Zack snyder you uh you impressed me for the first time ever can't wait to see what this director does next <laughs> <laughs> yeah hopefully it's not another fucking dc movie all right well uh we're gonna go down to the spoiler room and talk about all the uh plot developments all the third act fun stuff in army of the dead but before we do that uh i want to encourage you all to check out our brand new amon discord actually how the fuck do you get to the discord is there just a is there a url we can get out give out for the discord i don't think so i don't know we don't know enough about discord to to give you the url but we'll put it in the show notes how about that we will yeah. drop the link to our discord in the show notes so you can join and talk about this movie and all the other movies that we talked about on the show yeah we uh we were encouraged to set up a discord by amon superfan brie um who's our super moderator out there and she knows a hell of a lot more about it than we do so we've kind of been letting her uh, take the lead and, and teach us how this weird and wonderful world works but uh it has taken off a lot in just uh i don't know 10 days or something that we've had it going um there's been pretty robust conversation about a lot of different stuff out there and uh it's been a delightful surprise for us and we'd love to have you come join us out there so we'll, we'll link to fun. that in the show notes if if you need proof of life from Steven, you might find it on Discord. He's <laughs> hanging out on there too. He might talk to you. He has a book He's club. He's got a on book there, club. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. There there's a J emoji. There's a Gerald emoji. There are view it, cue it, and screw it emojis. Um it's it's a delight. It's a delight. Had some really good discussions actually on the Discord uh, after our last episode because we were asking everybody to uh, submit their thoughts on Gateway Horror. So we got a lot of people talking about that and what they watched when they were kids and how they were raising their own kids if they have kids or if there's kids in their lives. Uh, also got a couple uh, interesting emails from listeners who weighing in on, on the same thing, and those were all uh, great to read. I don't think we're going to go into detail on that on on this show, but um, again, if you're if you're part, interested in joining the larger conversation, uh, check us out online uh, especially on discord where that's that's where the conversation's happening apparently yeah i've really been enjoying uh seeing those takes from folks on the gateway horror discussion obviously we had a very robust conversation about that on the night books episode in fact so robust that like 10 minutes of it got cut out of the episode as much as there is in the episode a lot got left on the cutting room floor because we just we went we're like zach snyder we went hard on that yeah at some point we're we're going to uh, get the 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 steven cut of the gateway horror <laughs> discussion but yeah um th that's been a fascinating topic especially um as someone who does not have kids and most likely never will it's been nice to hear uh particularly from folks who do have kids and love horror and have kids who are interested in horror to hear about um you know kind of how they're uh managing their their children's 
entry into that world. So thanks, everybody, for your contributions to that conversation. Also, as usual, uh, check us out on social media. If you don't already, follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast. If you want a piece of merch, like a t-shirt or a coffee mug with Every Horror Movie on Netflix art on it, please go to our broken website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. And lastly, go to your podcast provider of choice and leave us a review. Uh, We love to see the feedback and it helps people find the show. All right, you guys uh, ready to nuke Vegas? Yeah, let's go to the spoiler room. All right. Let's go to the spoiler bunker, the spoiler vault. Launching that spoiler room in T-minus 10 seconds. We'll see you there. Welcome back. We are down in the spoiler vault Underneath the Las Vegas Strip, we're about to crack into this safe and break out all the spoilers from Army of the Dead. So, shit, man, what are the spoilers from Army of the Dead? We haven't been too focused on plot so far, so I'm trying to think what we need to cover here. Yeah, I mean, here's what you need to understand. The main, obviously the main plot is them trying to steal money out of this vault. Then sort of the the main story behind all that is the fraught relationship between Dave Bautista and his daughter. His daughter has has tagged along for her own reasons uh, to come into the city. She's trying to rescue some people she knows from the refugee camp who have gone in and and are missing and possibly dead inside Vegas. So when she finds out her dad has a team of badasses going in, she tags along with them to to hopefully get her out um that creates some conflict between the two and then they have a whole bunch of baggage from their past life and dave bautista having to kill his wife her mom not being there for her emotionally afterwards so that's sort of like the emotional heart of the story i mean in the end pretty much everybody dies one way or another Mm -hmm. um and it's that's kind of upsetting for me <laughs> because there were a lot of fun characters and you know half of them are gonna die but the fact that like everybody dies kind of is very very bleak uh everybody dies except dave bautista and his daughter get out uh they're able to take out the the one mother from the from the camp that that the the daughter was trying to save but their helicopter crashes after Vegas is nuked. Dave Bautista turns into a zombie and has to be killed by his own daughter. Mm, And then crucially, crucially, we don't see the woman who was rescued by the daughter (laughs) after the helicopter crash or in any epilogue to this movie. Mm, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so basically like, it kind of works if you have this like cast of characters and they're all like rogues who don't have you know any future after what happened to them uh, around the events of Las Vegas and then they all die but it's like it's all for this thing which it turns out not to be money but to save this mother of two kids and bring her back to her kids from Las Vegas because that's what the daughter wanted so I'm like all right that kind of works that's what the sacrifice is all about okay great Except you don't see the you don't see the fruit of that sacrifice. It kind of just creates a very sort of nihilistic ending where basically everyone's just dead, and then we find out that like one of the other soul survivors is on a plane to Mexico City, and so apparently he's gonna infect the rest of the world. 
And I was going to say, it doesn't matter anyway, really, because they, they crash the plane, like, as soon as they pass the shipping crate border, and I hate to tell them that I don't think those uh, shipping crates are protecting them from the radiation poisoning that they're probably <laughs> going to experience. <laughs> yeah, that that helicopter did not make it far enough, <laughs> fast enough. I was like, you're barely outside the city. That helicopter would be absolutely roasted. <laughs> and I was going to say, so I kind of have a different opinion of... You were talking about just, like, you know, the bleakness of everyone dying. I felt everyone died and I didn't feel bleak enough. One of the things that I enjoy that, you know, I think now, of course, you know, I don't think Snyder will ever be like a Romero or anything, but, you know, I think the beauty of of really great examples of of the zombie genre is just the bleakness, the 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 primalness of it of like people are dying they're not gonna survive like it's just like there's no way out it's just like this spread this infection spread and to me that's what you know that I always say that's the scariest thing to me in any sort of horror movie is like a a breakdown of society and just like this pure just hopelessness which I was going to say, I guess, you know, uh, now that we're in the spoiler room, like, so these zombies, like, I are some of them are, like, hyper-intelligent, and they've created, like, communities and rules and all of this kind of stuff, which, to me, is what kind of took me out of it, because, to me, the frightening thing, you know, in a, a Dawn of the Dead is I'm just dealing with these, like, hundreds and thousands of, like, mindless creatures that like don't die unless you shoot them in the head and they're just there's no purpose other than they eat you you're gonna get ate like things are gonna break down it's just like you're, you're done it's just a matter of when you're done yeah I, that's fundamentally sort of the the threat of a zombie movie i don't think i think i heard someone else mentioned this on like npr once or something but like the idea that this threat of zombies is just the inevitability and the, the slow suffocation of you and the rest of the world like it doesn't matter how many you shoot all you're doing is delaying the inevitable um which sounds like what you're what you're getting at and yes, what you're missing yeah. here yeah but it's just not that kind of movie i mean this is an action <laughs> comedy that happens to involve <laughs> zombies I, I, I liked the everybody dies approach, actually, because it ended up uh, creating a lot of interesting uh, moments of sacrifice and uh, kind of demonstration of the bond that had formed among this group of people. You know, some of these the people in this crew know each other already and are friends and care about each other. But a lot of them are in it like just for the money. It was nice to see some of those scenes like, uh, you know, I think when when Guzman goes out, it's it's a self-sacrifice moment because he actually cares about the people that he's been doing this with, as opposed to his initial motivation of just getting in it for the money. Yeah. And and there are a number of scenes like that, you know, Dieter, the um, the safe cracker who, you know, again, has been in it for the money and uh, also was very scared by the whole zombie thing, ends up, you know, fighting some zombies, sacrificing himself uh, so that uh, his friend can, or fellow crew member, whatever, uh, can get into the vault and, and finish collecting the rest of the money. I, I, I don't know. I, I liked the way that, yeah, all those moments of self-sacrifice kind of 
contributed to the the character arc for for this group I, out of interest sake i also thought it was really interesting because when they were like uh w- once they get in the vault and they're like getting the money i had to look it up because i'm like i feel like this is a lot of money and i was like i feel like you know these guys aren't carrying this money out and i i saw like i can't remember if it was the imdb trivia or somewhere i was looking that uh, apparently someone calculated and said that it was like just that amount of money would actually weigh two tons <laughs> and like, like you would actually have to have like trucks transport wow. it. You wouldn't be able to carry it. So I, I did like that part. Cause as we talked about, you know, the, just the whole, everyone's jacked and well, they, they were, they didn't have time to do this, but they were going <laughs> to take all the money, take it to the cashier, load it onto a Bly's casino player card and then just take the card out. <laughs> <laughs> Only wanna... redeemable in, in casino credit, though, at Bly's <laughs> Paris. <laughs> I want to talk about what ends up happening with the zombies as well, because I, I'm still amazed at sort of the level of investment I ended up developing in, like, the alpha zombie queen and the alpha zombie king or whatever. We, Zeus. Yeah. So this slimy-ass fucker that uh tanaka sends with them to kind of watch over them all it turns out basically tanaka's interest is not in the money at all but he wants he wants a zombie he wants a zombie head because he wants to create some more zombies because you know the implications of that as far as uh power are are considerable so that that explains because you see tanaka like with military brass like when he's supposedly conducting this sneaky operation and you're like what the hell's going on here like early on right so his slimy little goon ends up tracking down the alpha zombie queen who they have seemingly placated by handing over theo rossi to her and he brutally decapitates her and carries her head around in a bag to bring back to Tanaka and this sets off a huge problem among the alpha zombies because it turns out she was pregnant and I did not expect to see <laughs> yeah. a zombie fetus like pulled out of her corpse when I did I like I reacted viscerally to that shit I was like oh fuck it's <laughs> something you haven't seen before and the I, I'll give them that her her zombie partner uh emotes tremendously over this whole thing and i was moved he's he's pissed he's full of rage he's upset he's so sad and his his grief drives the shit show that results uh for the the last third of the movie um and it's great (laughs) it's fucking bizarre but it's so great i didn't re i i didn't have an emotional response to that other than i thought it was wild and and delightful um no, and, you, and what, you don't care about the pre-born do you chris <laughs> not in this instance um and then uh the uh but then they have fun with the with the head because they're carrying around this queen zombie head which is still animated in a in a little like bowling ball bag mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie culminating with one of our heroes trying to get the the king zombie to back down by pulling the head out of the bag and putting a gun to the head <laughs> which is just all, and like the head's like hissing and screaming <laughs> it's just fun stuff fun stuff yeah good stuff i'm curious 
I'm curious what you guys thought about uh, that we're quite obviously showing that some of these zombies are robots. Uh, okay. Elaborate. What the fuck are you talking about? Because I, I saw one, there was one shot where someone got shot and I was like, that looks like a fucking robot. Yeah. There's sparks. There, there's it, sparks that go on the wall. There's a couple zombies that die throughout the film that we see kind of blue electronics and then sparks go what is that about so my kind of theory on it is uh you know so snyder like claims that he has a whole universe prepared for this love to hear it that he can you know, he could, he said he could make films for the rest of his life in this universe. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess my theory on it was that, uh, I mean, just our opening scene. These guys are coming from Area 51. Now, I wasn't paying attention closely, but I know Reddit was just claiming that you can actually see two alien ships in the windshields when they're pulling out. Uh, So I'm wondering if we're going to get like a full out like zombie aliens, robots, and it sounds very Snyder. Yeah. So, I mean, we know the government, like, you know, our... Our alpha, our original alpha, was being held by the government. It was a government experiment. So, to me, I kind of thought, well, why wouldn't the government also have tried to make mechanical zombies and all these different kinds of things? Or even, you know, uh, get some Terminator, some, like, uh, bio... biomechanics i saw that i saw that happen (laughs) and i was like nah you didn't believe your eyes i've been been watching this movie for two hours and (laughs) ten minutes it's just time for bed after this (laughs) Uh, but yeah dude i'm yeah there's there's no level of absurdity that they cannot push this franchise to where i would not follow them Uh, because it's an absurd movie in itself, and it's it, only when it when it leaned away from absurdity did it become not fun for me. Are there further installments in the works? Do we know? Apparently so. I, oh, I yeah. mean, according to the internet, okay. Zack Snyder's next production is a sci-fi film called Rebel Moon, which I feel like we're just starting to hear about. Um, oh yeah, I saw something and, about that. That's a superhero thing, I think. Um, and then it sounds like he's gonna come back for. Planet of the Dead. Oh, give it to me. Yeah, yeah. And I was saying, there's, there's also they're getting ready to launch uh, uh, animated. I think it's a show that is based off of this movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what I read about it is it's gonna follow all of. It's kind of what you were talking about, Chris. What you kind of wanted, where from what I've read is it's gonna follow all the other heisters in this and mm. i think it's going to kind of give background on them yeah hmm. interesting so i was going to say i was also kind of interested like i know uh and it's kind of fitting uh, from what i had watched uh i said i'd been watching but i remember when i first watched this and i i had watched it with a friend of mine and the first thing i said when it was over was this doesn't remind you of another movie, like beat for beat, another movie. Oh, oh it reminds me of another movie. 
This one we already mentioned. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd read somewhere. I think James Cameron commented on it and was just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> like this is beat for beat aliens. Like mm. it's the same plot. It's the same, like, we're not interested in what we're actually telling you we're interested in. We just want, you know, we just want the aliens is what we really, really want. And mm-hmm. even some of the scenes, like, uh, when, uh, you know, the right-hand man, like, locks uh, Marie or whoever, like, in the room and then mm-hmm. pretends he didn't do it. The company man, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, obviously, towards the end when you have, you know, the, their mission's accomplished, but they have to go back to save the human that they have the intimate bond with. And then the helicopter pilot dusts off and isn't there when yeah. they arrive back at the helipad, but then comes back. It's it's all very similar. <laughs> I was thinking I, aliens even before that happened. And then that yeah, happened. I was like, well, and a nuclear threat that that was also the threat in aliens was that it was going to be a nuclear explosion. Yeah. I, um, I didn't want to say it before because I don't want to <laughs> sound like I'm just uh, insane, but I, I think one of the reasons like I like Zack Snyder is he reminds me a little bit of an incompetent James Cameron. I, I'll, I will give him that. I'll give him that. Like just his, his drive and his hands-on nature and his interest in effects and getting his hands on the camera and, and his ambition. Like he, I don't think he's in the same league as James Cameron, but, but I think he's got the same DNA and I love it. I didn't take offense to it. Like, I thought it was kind of a nod, because I think there's lots of nods in this. Like, you know, the scene where uh, one of the kind of, you know, sillier scenes I thought where the zombies were hibernating in the dark. I like that. Yeah, which is pretty much just a complete beat-for-beat ripoff of Silent Hill uh, with the nurses, like, it's the exact same thing. We have to walk through the nurses without waking them up where this one, we, that's been done all the time. I mean, it's, um, train to Busan does that. Yeah, well, exactly. But that's why I'm saying, like, these are things that I think you also can't fault him for. Cause I think it also shows his like love and appreciation for all of these great films. You know what though? All right. Let me, let me, (laughs) let me walk back some of what we've been saying though, because here's the thing that this movie, this movie is just tropes on tropes on tropes. And James Cameron builds his stories on tropes and tropes and tropes too, for the most part. Um, So you have, you have, you have a vague story that has the same kind of like general structure and then you just build it out with tropes. You're going to, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I did think, uh, Tig Notaro's, uh, explanation for dusting off was very shitty though. Cause in, in <laughs> aliens, uh, Bishop is like, Oh yeah, there was a, the, the platform got a little unstable. I had to take off for safety, but I, yeah. And then she's like, Oh, I actually know I meant to leave you there, but then I just developed a conscience and came back. It was a little, <laughs> little shitty. <laughs> I, I feel like there was a lot of like, there's probably a lot cut with, with like them in that role. Just cause I, I mean, I'm assuming there was a lot of dialogue between, you know the hel- like the helico- original concept of the helicopter pilot and everyone else and where they couldn't use any of that yeah well that's oh i see yeah cuz of cuz the situation but but i mean like come on the the woman that we save from the hotel who is like the whole purpose of going back who's the whole like the only thing that they have to show for their efforts 
Um, we never see her again. We never see her on the helicopter. We never see her in an epilogue. Nothing. We don't get to see the, the daughter open up her food truck or whatever the fuck she ends up doing with the $15,000. Like, it just seems like there's another hour and I want to see it. <laughs> Hashtag release the Snyder cut. I, I disagree. We're, we're going to get it going again. This should have ended sooner. And, and this is a good, like, let's talk about the ending because obviously there are some opinions on that. But I mean, we, so the daughter gets away and then we see, uh, what's his name? Uh, Undero or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, who I'm trying to think like we haven't even really talked about him that much, but he's he's kind of one of the key guys. He's one of Batista's yeah, he's like, like one of the bros. Three, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done this shit before. He's, Vandero is his name. Vandero, there you go. And he's the one who the safe cracker locked in the vault in a moment of self sacrifice, uh, leaving him with yes. the money. And frankly, like this vault is so impenetrable. I'm like, how the fuck does this guy get out of here? <laughs> like to me, I was like, oh, this is a is this not a death sentence? But somehow he's made it out. You can get out. It's not like it, you can always get out of a thing these days. It's, Just not it's, in. It's for safety. Yeah. yeah. You like, you know, you go to a building, you can always get out even if the door's locked. Yeah. Used to be, used to be you'd shove a kid in a locker and he was fucked at school. Now you shove him in a locker. There's a little latch over the door. You can open it from mm. the inside. It's yeah. Every, the, our world's very safe when it comes to getting locked in things. Yeah. Except for a Tesla. If you're, if you drive a Tesla, you're fucked. <laughs> well, he makes it out with the, you know the bulk of the money and uh <laughs> charters a, pl- a private jet to fly him out to mexico and he's on the jet and starts having odd symptoms while having a celebratory glass of champagne and it's probably just the flu though it's tur- probably just the flu <laughs> turns out he's he's zombified and i don't know it was just i didn't need that i could have I could have left it with him making it out. I don't know. You you know how I, I dislike these sequel setup e kind of endings, and it was yeah. just like this could have ended sooner. I guess we needed resolution to his character because the last we saw of him was he was shut in the vault. But honestly, when the helicopter came to rescue uh, the the daughter, I was like, okay, this can end here. It yeah. felt like too much. Yeah, I uh, I was gonna say I felt. I felt this movie needed to be like an hour and 30 minutes. Oh, wow. I, I That's che- a big... Uh... I checked my phone twice, and I was like, oh, I was like, we got to be getting there. And I was like, nope, hour and 12 minutes left. Honestly... And then I, che- I checked again, and it was like, nope, 33 minutes left. <laughs> I want four and a half hours. You I want, want the, the Snyder Cut. I want cut. the Irishman. I want the Snyder Cut. I want Well, you're getting to, another installment. There's more to come. I want come. to follow these people in real time because <laughs> that was i mean that's kind of the fun like part of the fun of this movie is like the journey and like how you know they have to cover all this ground and go through the casino and it's going to take them x amount of time to do this and that do it in real time i would have stayed with these people the whole way and then develop those characters i'm not joking i'd watch a five-hour version of army of the dead <laughs> i mean i guess you know this ending with vandero is your setup for planet of the dead um and you know i guess uh, maybe this is just me being too much of a Marvel simp, but I that could have been a post credit scene, a little tease or something. It just, I didn't like it as part of the text of the film proper. Yeah, the ending was a disaster, really. It doesn't it doesn't wrap up any of the stuff that you're supposed to care about at the end of the movie, and then it gives you this stuff that's that's superfluous. Mm-hmm. And I almost felt like he, he was too big of a character 
to kind of be the like, oh, and this is the guy that's gonna cause it all. Like, yeah. I always like him. I always like in my zombie movie endings when it's like something no one thought about, like uh, you mm-hmm. know, a random head on the ground just like bite someone like that no one paid attention to. It's the thing you for. It's the guy you forgot about. It's like mm-hmm. the 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 slimy border agent guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm suspecting it's because you know they in the world building they set up that you know if if this Zeus zombie bites you, you then become an alpha. That was like the whole thing. So I guess they they wanted a character that could come back and then be an alpha and be the the new Zeus. All right, let me let me rewrite the end of this movie and turn it into a five star movie. Bear with me <laughs> oh here. We go back to like we need a CNN. we need a theme song for this for Chris rewrites the movie. <laughs> we we go back to like the CNN room at the end of the movie, and it's Donna Brazil and Sean Spicer watching the watching the mushroom cloud, and Donna Brazil is like, "We need to understand that those at one time they may be zombies now, but they at one time they were people. They were Americans just like you and me. Their lives had value. Today is a sad day." And Sean Spicer is like, "America's number one. We had a we had a plague. We got rid of it." Our, our president's the best and then they they cut they wrap sean spicer goes into the bathroom he, he's got <laughs> he's got the bite <laughs> sure like that. sure why not <laughs> except that involves sean spicer having more screen time and being in the next installment which i can't endorse that's true all right i i feel like uh i feel like we've tapped out the army of the dead we beat it to death we beat it to death all right. Um, oh fuck! Well, we don't know what Steven's picking for. Steven's not here. I think we're preempting them. I think we're gonna go to the wheel. Okay. All right. He can pick next time. You must be present to win. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna wheel out our digital wheel of death, on which we've uh, loaded up every single horror movie on Netflix, and it's going to pick a yep. movie at random for us to watch next episode. Yep. All right, let's give it a go. All right, it's going. All right, we're going to watch Game Over. Game Over. Nice. Nice. And this is one I've been I've seen a lot of because it's on Netflix. I think it used to be on Netflix in three different languages. Now I see it on in two different languages. I think that it's the same. I think it's just different dubs. Um if that's wrong, I guess we'll find out later. But Game Over I believe it is a Indian film and it is the tagline on Netflix says as a series of murders hit close to home, a video game designer. I like him already with post-traumatic stress must confront her demons or risk becoming their victim. Mm, Okay. Oh, game over. I get it. She's a video game designer. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. I don't think it's the same one I was thinking of. So, I think the one I was thinking of is French. Ah, all right. Yeah. Well, well, looking forward. French language dub. Looking forward to that um, on our next episode, which Rowan sadly will not be here for. But Rowan, thanks so much for Sorry. guesting today and filling in for Steven. It's it's game over for Rowan. The game, game over for Rowan. Rowan. <laughs> thanks for being here. If you if you want more Rowan, of course you can check out the It Slays podcast. There, you guys put one out what every week. Not every week we're pretty so we kind of have like the side cast now of now slain so that that usually uh is me and Colton will go Thursday night uh when new horror movies come out and 
We usually go watch them. I don't get home from them till like one, two in the morning. And then uh, we record at like three and four in the morning and then put it out by like okay. nine in the morning. Okay. I thought now slaying was the same podcast but it is two, it is different products it, it's uh it's on the same feed oh, if, okay. you, if you follow us it's just we do new movies that's all the only difference well lucky you <laughs> <laughs> yeah rowan do you want to uh, pitch your social or website or anything to to help folks find its slays yeah i i feel like i'm always terrible when i have to do this <laughs> uh just it, it slays podcasts on everything we're on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Slasher. Uh, slasher? You know, What's Slasher? Slasher. It's a horror version of Facebook for horror fans. <laughs> uh, wow. Fang- Fangoria, I think, is like the main people that design it. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's been pretty fun. It's been pretty fun to interact uh, on there. Huh. And yeah, uh, you know, it's it's the same if you're listening uh, to this podcast. You know, we're all over uh, iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. And, uh, you know, listen, give us, say hey, say I came over from every horror movie on Netflix. We've had a couple of those that have uh, dropped in the slid in the DMs and awesome. said uh, said we came over because of every horror movie on Netflix and oh that's great taking, yeah. you're taking our fucking listeners you're taking our listeners <laughs> uh, they come they they come over and like you know usually they end up listening to a mic pick and they're like ah oh, Jesus what are these guys watching over here. <laughs> We're going to scare more of them off. Our, our next episode is uh, American Psycho 2. Oh, so, boy. Uh, you know, we, li- we like to just scare people off with the worst choices. Oh, wow. I've never seen that. I'm very curious about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, let's put this one to bed. Thanks again, Rowan. We will see you all next episode for Game Over. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. I was rowing. And we'll see you next time. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? <laughs>